This is the Resonance AI Podcast, conversations about the future of media. For our 22nd episode, we spoke with Lisa Modisett. She is a strategic advisor for Info Insight and a former vice president at HBO. And to begin, we asked Lisa how streaming platforms are pulling in new subscribers while holding on to the ones they already have. It reminds me of back in the day with mobile phones when churn rates were like 30% as they are today in the streaming business. And they had to become very good at that balance between acquisition and retention. And there are times when you might want to open up the acquisition channel and then there, or funnel, as I would say. And there are times when you might want to really focus on retention. And I think right now we're just at that acquisition stage. And you can see that reflected in the churn rates across all the streamers. Now the challenge is people have so many streaming subscriptions that they can't figure out what to watch on which streamer. And it's almost like we're back to the same problem we had when you had too many channels on cable. And now you almost need uh, not only a TV guide for all the different streamers of what's to watch where and when on which one, but also an accountant to keep track of uh, what am I no longer watching content on this particular streamer so um. I can, <laughs> when I can uh, unsubscribe, right? Sure, yeah. At some point, they're going to, like, well, I'm paying $8 to never watch anything on this. Right. I was talking to one person um, earlier this week, a friend of mine, who had realized when they were looking at their budget with some new kids in the house, and she realized that she was spending $105 a month on all the different streamers. And I haven't even looked at mine to see how much I am spending, but you know, it's very easy to build back up. And that that's why I say, it's almost like we're back to where we were with the old cable guys. Instead of paying it to Comcast, now you're paying it to six, seven different streaming companies and much, hard, much harder to manage for family budget. This is also kind of, this is sort of related a little bit. I had read this article that was talking about Discovery Plus and Discovery Plus is all of this this bounty of stuff that, as they had sort of termed it, that you can sort of half watch. And I personally tend to half watch a lot of stuff. You kind of want to watch the new movie that, that just dropped on Netflix, or you kind of want to watch that new limited series that is eight episodes uh, that seems really gripping and interesting. But you also kind of just want to put something on and just look at your phone. I mean, does that kind of cut against this desire to to create all of this new content when in reality you just sort of want stuff that you can have on in the background? Well, everybody's different, aren't they? So there, you're going to have to appeal to all these micro segments, which um, we aren't thinking about yet uh, in this industry. You know, we're thinking of gross segments, you know, in terms of the mass uh, consumer. And I think that's what's driving a lot of the proliferation of lots of different OTT streaming apps. And at some point, there will be consolidation. There will have to, and and the, the these companies will have to start thinking about either am I going after a niche market, or if I have a broad mass market approach, how do I start to think about the consumer in terms of how they watch? 
And um, we're starting to see a little bit of kind of really gross segmentation, I would call it, which when um, people start to think about that, it's usually split up, as you just pointed out, with discovery by streamer. But um, that's why I think we will see consolidation and hopefully leveraging the data that they're getting out of this uh, to be able to do a better job of micro-segmenting the consumers so that we can look at things that we want, uh, where you can pick out the background shows that you might want to look at and the occasional, you know, maybe co-viewing or family viewing shows you want to look at when you really sit down for an hour or two and really pay attention versus, say, me, uh, who's dipping in and dipping out with a very, um, I have a very focused uh, <laughs> viewing habit, if you would. Uh, I really like certain oddball sorts of things, you know, eccentric stuff like international shows or crime novels that are internationally based or things like that. So we're going to have to understand all these different kinds of people. What, where's the balance in, in trying to um, make sure everyone has something to see, but also making sure that you're putting forward content that you think is is worthwhile you pinpointed shane on on what i think is the challenge for all the streamers who or what are they uh, are you going to be the walmart <laughs> of streaming if you would or are you going to be the costco that carries that fantastic wine that everybody happens to want at that moment but that's kind of how i see amazon right now it's kind of like I can get all sorts of things on there and sometimes they have something exclusive, but generally I don't go there for that. You know, generally I'm going to go to my gourmet food shop for my really gourmet items. And there's room for all of those. Uh, it's just a matter of understanding and focusing on it. And that's why I say we're going to see, I think, a period here of great change and consolidation. And then hopefully the emergence of some very successful, I don't want to say micro niche players, but niche players have figured out how to be the gourmet store. So you had brought up the data and sort of that, you know, we are seeing these streamers collect a, a massive amount of data. And when it comes to cable or, you know, broadcast TV versus streamers, streamers are getting the best insights into what their viewers are actually watching. Do you see that as being the, the, the real um, value in, in what these streamers are doing? Or, or do you think that that's maybe, maybe we're looking at that as a little bit too much of a panacea? I do believe there is huge value, but also remember I'm a data geek. So, <laughs> uh, I do believe it's very important. You know, if we look back at why AT&T acquired Time Warner, that was the kind of the original intent, right? They would then have information about consumers, about what they were watching anywhere, whether it was on their mobile phone, um, satellite with their DirecTV acquisition, all the streaming devices, so across all that viewing platforms. Now the challenge is what are people watching between the different streamers? Nielsen certainly hasn't solved this yet. So it'll be very interesting to see who will be the innovative company that will be able to see or figure out 
that you watch maybe Discovery for your background viewing, but yet you subscribe to something else for other types of viewing. But when you're on the go, and if we get back to commuting on a different type of device, what are you watching there? Maybe it's short form. And that's what will be the challenge. It will be interesting whether or not the Comcast, the AT&Ts can take advantage of all this incredible wealth of data that they have, like Netflix and Amazon have done in their small worlds. But I think what's even more interesting if I look further to the future is who are the companies that are going to figure out how people are moving between uh, streamers and between other video distribution channels and on which device and when. How do you think the device is going to factor into how decisions are made? Because, in fact, you mentioned you watch things differently on your mobile phone uh, versus on the big screen uh, versus a tablet that's in the kitchen while you're cooking and maybe you're looking at a cooking show or a recipe or whatever. I mean, that, it, that is, a, a, to me, a very big difference. Um, and it gives the uh, streamer insight into what to present when. I, I think a question that a lot of people have, is it going to be worth getting that sort of granular with people's viewing habits? Is that going to be worth the, the, the work that you put into it? Yes, but not just for the retention aspect, because the retention aspect is one improvement of a revenue stream, if you would. There are other revenue streams um, that this would be important for. Of course, AVOD and beyond AVOD, you know, just um, for the advertising industry. If you could sell that to the advertising industry, of course, there's a whole new revenue stream associated with that. And then there's also the sell-through capability if you're partnering. And then there's another aspect, which is as these streamers are growing these huge content libraries, it's how do you optimize that content library and how do you optimize what you're spending on acquisition and development? I mean, right now we're just seeing this money being thrown at development and that can only go on so far. At some point in time, the data will be needed to be able to optimize that spend. Right now, you know, we're still using the old windowing agreements, which is like when movies were released and for so many weeks you get it and then it goes to somebody else and then you have to keep planning as to when you're going to get it. And this is what's typical for consumers to see. So if I really want to go back and I want to watch an old movie like The Italian Job, but then figuring out where is the Italian Job license at this point in time? Do I go on Amazon? Do I go on Netflix? Is it on HBO Max? Is it on, where is it licensed uh, for this particular window when I feel like watching, going back for nostalgia's sake to look at the Italian job? And then figuring that out is the hard time. It's almost like I need a TV guide for the streamers to know what's when. That's not sustainable. And so that means, um, I think what we'll see is a different a change in, in the, how licensing is done because it's no longer driven by the movie theaters. It's now driven by, it will be driven by who owns the supply chain. So Paramount Plus says they're going to be releasing a new movie 
every week of 2022. Netflix has been re- releasing a, a new film uh, every week this year, I believe. When you're talking about like the older films, like is is there not? Do you wonder if there's not enough attention and money being put towards sort of gaining? the the rights to a lot of these older films and maybe putting a little too much emphasis on making all of this new content that not necessarily anyone is interested in i do (laughs) i mean that's what kind of we've been talking about that right it's like there's almost too much content uh and um and that's kind of the risk where's the reward i mean the reward is really figuring out a way to help consumers find out what find what they like across um, not only different seamers or in your own content library. And I'm sorry, but recommenders, you know, recommendation engines, as they've been today, as you know, consumers are starting to get very savvy. And how often do you really watch something that's on that recommendation list? Uh, There's got to be a new way. And so that's where I think the opportunity and reward is, is figuring out a way to help the consumers find what they like. Yeah, I, I feel like you, I feel like you're, you're totally right. And yet that doesn't seem to be much of a priority. No, <laughs> I don't think believe there is enough attention being spent on metadata. And it's not just metadata. It's also the idea of this. To me, there's some, um, that's where the trend is, is what's next recommendation engines will only take you so far and the idea of human curation is really good but i think it's really about marrying human curation because we all listen to what our friends you know have watched or if we're really into some uh social media influencer or celebrity what they watched but it's combining the technology with the human creation, but also ways to allow the consumer to define their own categories, right? Because how you define your watching pattern, how I want to define it are different, but there's no way for me to inject my internal filing system into the streamer like we can on our, um, you know, our Outlook. Right, because of how you organize and file your emails and data with your foldering system, that doesn't exist on the streamers, right? But how else are we to organize and go back to see what we might want to watch? Right now, my watch lists on each uh, streamer is so large that I have a hard time finding something I want to watch tonight on my own watch list. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I think we need to automate that and almost have an AI system to help us categorize or a way to categorize my my own content and then the ai to help me find what i want across the distributors we humans aren't um we in some ways we're not so complicated but in other ways we are we're just different from each other but we do need ways to be able to organize our thoughts our files our recipes and now our shows The Resonance AI Podcast is produced by Random Inkara and Shane Malin. It's hosted and edited by Shane Malin. And our music is by Damian Johnson. To learn more, go to ResonanceAI.com.